<laughs> if you already know Drake or you already been on Drake's TikTok or his lives or his Sunday Zooms, which will be once a month now. <laughs> Did you know? Now you know. <laughs> you know whose voice this is. It's Shan from She Gets It Pod. So while you're listening to Everything Culture with an A, not an I, check out She Gets It pod all right i know i'm the one with the little boo me on there that's me all right new season new season 22 giving y'all encouragement motivation and a real insight in the things that i think about on a daily but i'm saying them out loud to y'all so check me out on she gets a pod on your favorite podcast app and also find me and the rest of my podcast on shambypodden.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying this show with everything culture. Hey, Drake. I'll let you have your mic back now. Bye. Love it, man. 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. I got stuck in pain. It won't be a little hit. Go read a book, you illiterate. Son of a bitch. Step up your vocab. Don't be surprised. Patience to these false accusations. They faking the shaking because the money you're making. Brick some money on the dresser. Drive a compressor. Top notch. Get the most. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good evening, good morning, and good afternoon. It is your host, Mr. D713, with my co host as well as my guests, Prince and G Jack. How y'all doing today? Doing great, man. I'm doing great. I don't know why I got a lot of energy this Saturday. That's like rare. I must have been do shit during the week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do enough. <laughs> I woke up early. I've been getting all these uh, running errands and stuff. I got like all this energy, man. I don't know what happened, but man. hey, I'm feeling good today. That's great, man. Prince, how about yourself? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm feeding off the energy right here. GJ said he's good, so I'm good too. All right. <laughs> so y'all know so much about us. Thank y'all for joining us this week. But anytime you take the time out and listen to us, we greatly appreciate y'all being here for us. We have a great episode coming up with you this evening or today or this morning once again. But right here we have Prince. If you haven't listened to the makings of you, I urge you to go back and do so. It is a great one. And you learn a little bit more about our guests that we have here. But Prince, would you like to say a few things about yourself? For sure, for sure. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank everybody for uh, just supporting me. And I want to thank uh, Mr. D713 and g for having me uh, on Everything Culture. Uh, it's, uh, it's already a pleasure to be here. Um, so, so uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just a little bit about, my, about myself. Um, my name is uh, Prince Nguyen. Uh, you see him pronouns. Um, I am a former Buddhist monk uh, about seven and a half years um so this is probably this is actually my full complete one year after i disrobed uh and went into transition to uh, civilian life so um i'm still getting uh to getting used to a lot of things but um it's been pretty smooth so uh appreciate you know just being on this podcast too to kind of help me to to transition um but I am pretty active uh, within the community. Um, I identify as Khmer American. Um, my family came from Cambodia. They migrated here in 1979 um, and 82 uh, after uh, the my genocide that happened. Uh, and so my family kind of 
moved here and then my parents had all of my siblings and I and kind of just grew up in this environment learning about both cultures and all the other cultures around us. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of cultural influence from all over the place. Wow. Wow. Man. That's pretty interesting. That's a lot, man. Yeah, talk about it, baby. You feel me? I love it. That's what I want. Too much, too much. This is what we're here for on everything culture. This is what we're here for. And like, yeah. man, can you go, you're like, knowing you, we know each other through work, okay? Right. And once again, I've been in Seattle about to make a year next week. Crazy, okay? And you and your family and your, your, your have you know welcomed me in just so quickly and I like man I and I and I really appreciate that man and like the seeing the cultures and we share cultures with one another and that's one thing I find so beautiful and what being able to do that especially here in America anywhere but man it's just I take pride in it and it, once again it, that's what makes me happy that's what brings me joy to be honest and. I, I heard through the grapevine, you know, people talk talk throughout, like, you know, Prince used to be a monk. I'm like, a monk? What? Like, well, like, I'm like, you know, I'm once again, I've never known anybody personally right. to be a monk. And by you even looking so young, I, I haven't, I'm not even sharing your age, man, but just looking so young, <laughs> I'm like, mm, okay, like, how, you know, I've always been in my mind, like, how did you get into this? Like, what, what made you want to be a monk? In at such a young age as well. Let, let me ask a question too. I guess first for a lot okay, of my listeners who disregard don't know, mine. Go ahead. Who don't know now because this is gonna piggyback off of your question though. I guess first if you can explain what is a monk to people who don't really know. For sure. Um, so I'll answer GJ's question and I'll go over to yours. Um, so a monk is it it, it can also have a, a different meaning depending on the religion or the belief system. Um, but in Buddhism, a monk is an individual who basically is seen as um, a, a, a belief leader, like an individual to lead and continue the practices and teachings of Buddha himself. Um, so all the teachings that Buddha has created, the monks are, uh, we call them the community of monks, the Sangha. Uh, to continue on those teachings and spread that teaching to whomever would like to learn and to practice. Um, mm. So monks, you can really, um, in uh, my type of Buddhism, which is uh, Theravada Buddhism, uh, monks usually wear uh, kind of a saffron colored uh, robe. Um, mm-hmm. And those um, will pretty much will identify as monks with a saffron colored robe and their heads are shaved, um, eyebrows, all the facial hair is shaved. Um, those are those are the monks. So it's like the just like the movies, kind of. Kinda, uh, except we don't fight. So gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as the appearance wise, that's what uh, I was as thinking. As far as the appearance wise, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's pretty much the same. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, but we could definitely, you know, explore more about you know what that may look like. And of course, there's a lot of different rules that we as monks have to abide by to continue to be pure and be able to uh, pretty much spread Buddhism in the purest form. Mm. So, yeah. It, is When you said a ter- it was a terracotta, or can you say that again? Theravada. Theravada, okay. Thank yeah. you. So there's pretty much two types of Buddhism. 
uh, Theravada, which is a little the kind of the older form of Buddhism, and then the newer form is Mahayana, um, and that's more of practiced in like the East in like East Asia. Uh, but Theravada is more like Southeast Asia. Okay. And then I'm gonna go back to your question. Um, kind of, it's kind of a long story, but I'm I'm always happy to share it because not a lot of people really know why I went into you know becoming a monk, and a lot of people think, especially within my community, so many people think that my parents forced me to become a monk, and that's mm. that's not true at all. Um, okay. I just want to, you know, just squash that right there like that. My parents did not force me at all to, to become a monk. I will say they were an influence, but they didn't force me um, to become a monk at all. Um, but when I was younger, uh, my brother, my older brother, he was about like 14, maybe 14, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was a troubled kid. Like he got into a lot of trouble um, and he was just like skipping school, going to do bad stuff like in the night and ended up in like juvenile detention um, a few times. And so like, he was like a real troubled kid. And so uh, my, my mom pretty much decided uh, that it might be best to have him leave that environment because mm -hmm. once you pull the kid out of the environment, parents think, you know, that's going to be it. That's going to be good. Um, so what ended up happening was that my we took my brother, we took a family trip to Cambodia mm -hmm. um, and my brother became a monk there. Mm. And what ended up happening was that we actually left my brother there and took his passport. So he would stay wow. as a monk in the monastery. What? <laughs> wow. And uh, he, he ended up staying there for like two and a half years. Oh, did man. he know that though? Did like was it? So he didn't know he was going to be there. So he know he was going to be a monk, and I guess my parents told him that, you know, oh, we're going to come back for you in like a couple weeks after we finish the trip and we'll go home. Yeah. And then like, we just left without him. I bet he like, man, I wish I would have stayed in juvie. <laughs> <laughs> man, I was like, man, hey. Yeah, so, leave, man. That's that's tough. Uh, <laughs> hey, parenting is tough. I, I like that. I don't know how much trouble he was getting into in here in America, but man, once again, y'all go back and listen to the makes of you uh, with Prince. But even when he said earlier, his family, you know, I, I guarantee they sacrificed quite a bit from you know coming over here to America, trying to make it here, and and to see your oldest getting to the, the things they were getting into, I understand that that outlook. Like, you're not going to do it here. And I believe that, like, we're going to do this for your own, for your best, uh, you know, your best interest. You know, right. it, it's it's alternative. It's not that alternative because other people do it too. But it's <laughs> like, but to take the passport too, like, you can't do nothing right there. That was, you know, yeah. okay. <laughs> so he ended That's up That's a real punishment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a really <laughs> grounded my grounded my ass. Okay, I'm sorry, <laughs> grounded, grounded from like the country, not even your from own, life, like, like just the country. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he ended up staying there for like two and a half years, and then he came home as a monk. Um, 
and like so i was always i was around that like i was i knew him as a monk but i didn't know like as a kid i didn't know he was there because he was bad i just thought mm -hmm. oh okay he's there he's a monk what's your age difference between you and your brother so my brother and i are about eight probably about like 10 years apart okay so mm -hmm. yeah yeah or yeah 10 years apart no yeah 10 sorry sorry <laughs> Uh, yeah, 10 years apart. So, uh, he was, yeah, I always kind of looked up to him and, you know, even when I was younger too, my, uh, you know, my family, we, we grew up in Buddhism. So we always went to monasteries and like that. So my parents always took me to the monasteries. They dragged me there. I was just one of those kids. I was just sitting in the monasteries, didn't know what I was doing. Couldn't understand the language because I didn't speak the language when I was younger. So uh, I was just listening to monks chants. So I was always around monks. I was always around Buddhism. Um, so that also played a part in my influence to be a monk. And my brother, you know, my own brother being a monk was a, another huge influence. And so when I got older to like sixth, seventh grade, eighth grade, um, about when I was like 11 or 12 years old, I started getting into some trouble. Now, I wasn't to the extent of my brother, um, mm -hmm. but uh, I definitely was getting into some trouble. Um, and you didn't have to take any trips. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but my, so my mom had decided like it was, it would be best for me to become a monk as well. Um, so I turned out to become a monk for like, uh, a couple of weeks to just test it out here in America, not Cambodia. Um, but uh, my mom, you know, gave me this idea. I was like, oh, how do you like being a monk? I was like, oh, it's, it's cool. It's, you know, I like it. Um, and she was like, what do you think about going to be a monk in Cambodia? I was like, uh, maybe. That, I mean, that sounds interesting, but like, are you going to leave me there? <laughs> like, <laughs> I've seen this happen before. I've seen like, this happen before. So. I may have been young, but I remember. <laughs> I had a brother at one point. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And uh, I was, so it was a back and forth conversation with my parents and I for the next couple of months. Um, and then, you know, we took a family trip to Cambodia in 2012, April of 2012. And, I made the decision that, you know, I would, you know, be happy to become a monk in Cambodia for spring break and then come back. I was in eighth grade at the time. Uh, so I left um, during eighth grade and I was supposed to stay there for the summer, come back end of summer, start freshman year. Um, so I ordained in April, stayed that long, that period of time when it was about time for me to return to the United States. Um, I didn't want to come back. Uh, I didn't want to come back at all because I enjoyed it so much. I I was happy. Um, I was happy was with where I was at. Um, so I asked my parents to stay longer. Um, and you know, little did I know, they said yes. Um, and I, as long as I went to school there, uh, which I did, and I ended up staying for you know two and a half years. So my brother. Wow. And my culture, um, my parents were a huge influence to, on me to becoming, you know, a monk. And ultimately, it was my decision. Wow. And, and I was just thinking what I was doing at that age was nowhere 
in my thought, my thought process, you know? Right. I, it, yeah, for real. So I think that's extremely mature and for your culture and for your beliefs, man, that that's amazing, bro. And so that, that's like equivalent to being saved though. Like as a Christian, like becoming a monk in uh, Buddhism. I, I, I don't know if that's an equivalent. I can't speak too much. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know too much about Christianity to be honest. So I, I, I can't say if that's an equivalent or not. Okay. I'll put it this way. I would say what that experience, do we have anything Christian? I know if you're a Catholic, I think if you go off to a Catholic school and you become a priest, I, I, that's all compared to because you're in school in, in Christianity, like you're taking a full dedication out your life that you're leaving your parents being saved. Is if we say you're turning away from everyone else and you're choosing Jesus, okay? But to actually physically, you know, leave everything you know normal. I'm telling you, you're going to high school. High school is a big time and uh, it's a milestone in people's life, okay? Here in America, I would say that. Um, and I know it wasn't mine, but when you leave and you're like, I'm not going to go to high school, I'm about to go to church. That's the equivalent. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the normal high school I'm going to, and I'm not only, well, it's like, and you're going to a different, you, you're, you're leaving the household. You're not only leaving high school, leaving your parents, you're leaving your siblings, you're leaving your friends, leaving your friends to go live in a different country to follow Jesus. It's like going to Israel, you know, that's, I would compare it to that. But yeah. once again, I, I'm still looking at the dedication <laughs> right now and I'm 34 yeah. and I'm like, I've been baptized, <laughs> but I'm not a monk. Dipping some water, that's about it. <laughs> Hell, my breath for like a second or two. Probably need to do it again. But um, it's just that that the feeling. So the experience going, like you say, with you know, I watch shows and I've seen different views of becoming a monk, and I know it's a lot of sacrifice that comes with it. Yeah, and. Do you have any advice for anybody that at the age that you've joined, or anybody now, the experience? Like, what are the what are the, what are the feelings that you get from it? How did you grow from this experience? Uh, I will say, uh, especially the age that I went at, that's like that's preteen or that's going transitioning into teenagers, Correct. teenage years. So I was uh, pretty much ordained when I was at the age of thirteen. So I just started teenage years. Uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of temptations as a teenager. Um, and so, and especially at that time, it was when phones started to become, and electronics started to become a little bit more popular um, where, you know, iPhones were coming out, were coming out and, you know, the newest electronics were coming out and stuff like that. So, for me as a teenager, there was a lot of temptations that I had to overcome, especially, you know, being a monk um, because we have so many rules. But I think my biggest advice to uh, to folks at that age or even, you know, older too who would like to transition into being a monk or even just making your own sacrifices um, as a civilian uh, is acknowledging your temptations but also not paying too much attention to it. So you can acknowledge it and then just really try to cut that off because it's hard. 
like you really have to think oh do i need this do i really want this is this going to really make me happy um and you got to really go through all those questions to you know really cut down on what you need and what you don't need and it's definitely hard when you're young so yeah. like yeah. i definitely understand it, it, it takes a while <laughs> man I'll, even when you got to shave your hair and your eyebrows like all facial hair has to be gone. All, all everything on your head. That'd all be so you it's know, like a, a I got period this, thing, but everything else. Oof. Okay. <laughs> so it's like a period thing where you have to shave everything. Just yeah. Want you to be as possible. Yeah, yeah. It's a period thing. Um, it's pretty much for us to stay clean, stay pure. Um, is to so we shave twice a month. Um, pretty much twice a month we shave our heads. And then facial hair is the same too. Mm. Can you use any kind of like products though? Like, cause I like with me, I couldn't shave with like a razor. Like I have to use like some type of uh, clippers. Yeah, clippers or like uh, I had to put like aftershave on some, so I don't get like bumps and stuff. I don't know if it's if that's still considered period if you have to use like some type of alcohol or something afterwards. So we try not to. Um, everything is try to be as natural as possible. Um, uh, but I think like nowadays it's a little bit harder with that because our skin is a little bit more sensitive. Um, but we also yeah. we try not to use all of like aftershave and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm, My brother had it tougher though. When he was shaving his head, I remember watching him. They were they were shaving his head with like a, a, a kitchen knife. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like. They didn't have razors back then. It was just mm. shaving heads with kitchen knives. So, what you so mean? They, they didn't have, have razors a... back then. <laughs> like, they just chose not to use razors, or it's like it wasn't accessible for where he was at. It was the countryside. So, oh man! So they didn't have those resources. And it, that was, that, oh, GJ, you had a question, but I have a question right after that. Uh, go ahead. You go ahead with your question. When you were just talking about what resources was it? What was the temple life like? Like, was it like the bed and the room you have now here at your home that you're in now? Or was it a little bit different? Was it like you sleep where you can sleep? And because you find it's sacrificed at the end of the day. I can't speak for what my brother's experience was. But for me, uh, I had a wooden bed and with no mattress or nothing like that. So it was just just mm. basically a wooden bed. Uh, and it's, it's just like the frame. Like there's nothing else on it. And. Yeah, it's mm. just a wooden bed without a mattress. Um, sometimes uh, I'd sleep on like tile floors. Um, mm. That's pretty much it. Yeah, there's we so monks aren't allowed to sleep on like higher beds. Also, so mm. uh, either sleeping on the floor or just sleeping on pretty much hard surfaces. What's um, the reason for that? Is it um, is so it just part, be close to the earth or? It's one of our rules uh, that we have to abide by. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Man. So, um, mm. so y'all just had, do you have to wake up at a certain time or like, is it like a certain amount of sleep you have to get or what? Yeah. So we wake up um, around four o'clock, four in the morning. So mm. we wake up at four in the morning. Uh, we do meditation we do um, uh, kind of, daily chantings are resuscitation um and that's in the morning right before breakfast and then we have a period before breakfast that we you know can 
freshen up um, and then go to breakfast and then go to school right after. Oh, okay. okay. I guess that's the life of a monk when you're like a teenager. So I guess as an adult, are they the teachers or well, like, what do you, I'm just trying to think what you would do during the day. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, so most of us are in school during the day. Uh, mm -hmm. So we have a set time that we go to school and then we also have a set time that uh, we go to ceremonies. Um, mm -hmm. So we can go to people's houses or it could be a funeral or it could be a wedding, um, just various occasions that people invite us to. Um, and that's pretty much throughout the day. Um, and also in the evening time too. So, uh, but otherwise we're in school uh, doing work around the monastery, cleaning up, um, keeping everything neat and tidy. So you can you be married as a monk though? No, so um, in Theravada Buddhism, uh, monks are not allowed to get married and we're not allowed to have physical contact with women. Is there a reason behind it? Like, like um, purity? Yeah. Well, I know that, but I mean, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I'm just thinking like other religions and stuff. Like you can't, you, it's like you, you want to find a wife or like someone to make you whole. Now the relationship with the husband and wife may be different, but not as a priest. So as a, as a Buddhist monk, uh, the reason why is that because if you were to have, for instance, if you were to have a wife and you were able to have a family, it would mm -hmm. take, um, the belief behind that is um, it would, it would kind of slow your process of becoming enlightened. Um, mm, I got you. And that's why monks are, you know, not allowed to, to get married, have kids or anything like that. And really actually be distant with family too and see them just as human beings and not just family. Um, gotcha. It's really help that process fasten, uh, faster process to become enlightened. Uh, so, so since you and your brother both went through it, uh, do I have a pretty good relationship now? Yeah, we do. We have a really, uh, you know, tight relationship with, you know, with each other. And um, it's, you know, it, it, I'm beyond grateful for the, those experiences because that has really kind of pulled our family together. Mm. Not to say that our family was apart, but. Yeah. yeah, it just made you tighter. For sure. It made you closer. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just thinking, it just reminds me of nuns. Not that I hate to compare, but it's just, do, do, and that, it, when I think of nuns, do are women allowed to become monks? And yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so in, in Theravada Buddhism, we did have um, a lineage of like uh, female monks. Um, that lineage, um, what did I say? The, I, I forgot the word, uh, but it, would be, it became distinct, um, a while ago. I can't, I, I can't remember off the top of my head what century that was, but, um, it became distinct, extinct, um, in that era. Um, and, but now people are trying to bring that lineage back. Oh, I became extinct. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Did I say distinct? I, you, I thought you, I yeah. thought you said distinct at first. Then I'm like, okay. Then you said extinct. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, hopefully they bring it back in for whatever time, and I'll make sure to research more about it as well. But man, and I love how you saying when GJ even asked about family. When I was able to spend time with you and yours, I'm like, it was family, and it don't think it reminded me at home, and and then you know, 
you're celebrating your birthday and things, but it's like I can tell they have a strong knit family they have here. FaceTiming one another, no matter where it's at, a lot of love, laughter, joy. And it, it just made me think about when you say you came back into your community. So once again, I'm new to Seattle. Once again, thank you for welcoming me. All right. If you if you go back listen to pre just don't listen to any of the previous episodes, like at the end of season one. Just don't do that. But um <laughs> <laughs> that's messed up. <laughs> I was I was not a fan of Seattle. I was not. I was not. Okay, I was like, I got here. I was like, you are now though, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, sis, getting used to it. I'm getting used to it. It's growing to me. To be, I'm meeting some cool people. At first, it was like people were like scared of me and things, you know. And I'm like, what is going on here? And it's like I didn't see that that many, <sighs> yeah. And I see that <sighs> many black people in Seattle. Okay, <laughs> you know, I would see them around Seattle, but in Seattle, I'm like, I'm the only one. I beard, and even when I step outside, it's like I, I'm cool. Don't <laughs> what do you what, what's the problem, you know? But it just seemed like I'm learning more about the community here in Seattle. And I'm in South, I'm in Southeast Seattle. You know, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what you, you, you from here. Okay. This is home. Right. What thing will give us some pros and cons. What do you love about the community that we have here in Seattle? Um, gosh, I, one of the biggest things that I really, really love about Seattle is how diverse it is. And this is perfect because, you know, it's everything culture here. Um, and so, right? <laughs> I'm like, exactly. That's why, that's why I, I, I really and, uh, I really love this co- this podcast and especially the name because uh, in Seattle, there's, uh, as I mentioned, there, there's so many different cultures that were around and especially that I grew up with in my neighborhood too. And so really to see all those cultures blend together mm-hmm. and kind of share uh, from one another, that's kind of in my opinion, what makes Seattle, Seattle, is the diversity. Uh, not within just cultures, but, you know, within um, identities uh, and, and just everything. Um, so. Well, that's culture within itself. Like, like right. when people say culture, we think of usually ethnicity or race. Mm-hmm. But your culture is your age, your your favorite types of food, your mm-hmm. favorite movies, shows. You have subcultures within cultures. Right. You know, it's so many things that make up. And that's why I say everything yeah. culture. Okay? When it breaks it all down, everything, everything, it really is culture at, at the end of it all. Sure. It's just who do you want to share it with? And, you know, my main thing is celebrating it, you know, and I want to respect it. That's why we bring great guests like yourself on print so you can share your culture and your backgrounds and your traditions with us and so instead of people going out here and judging other people it's like you know what i was able to hear a little bit about a person and learn a bit about you know what it's like to be um kamai like i I even know i knew cambodian but i did not know i've seen the word kamai and i always said kamir you know and i'm like am i saying it right is it kamai it's Kamai. He's okay. saying it good. Okay. And, and I'm like, what is Kamai? And I'm like, and I've, I've done a little bit of research on the history, but once again, so I, because I, I was naive about it, and I do not like being ignorant about it. So I like to bring people from those cultures on the show to talk about it. You know, it's best coming from you all. And I know, once again, you don't represent your full culture. Never sure. say that again. But what can you tell us a bit, bit more about the Kamai culture here in Seattle? Oh yeah, for sure. I think um, so. 
and wa as Washington State as a whole, um, so from the uh, 2010 uh, census data, it shows that Washington State is actually the third largest population for Cambodian Americans or just Cambodian um, people. Um, so with that being said, we have so much that is kind of binding us together, especially even when we're, you know, kind of far apart from each other. But the Khmer culture here is, of course, we try to bring as much culture as we can from Cambodia. But because we are living in America, we have to kind of mixture with the standards here as well. For instance, like in Cambodia, um, you would be able to have, you know, ceremonies in any given day of the week. Uh, but in here in America, you'd have to have ceremonies only on weekends because people work during the week. You know, mm. so that's one thing there. Um, another thing, if you would hop into like the food category, the the food here is not as pure as it would be in Cambodia because we have we're not able to get the freshest ingredients here. So right. welcome to America. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Because like, you know, we would I mean, the food obviously is still good, but it wouldn't be as good as it would be with the fresh ingredients because the ingredients right. that we have to order, they have to order it from, you know, different you know countries or different states. And it just it just wouldn't be good. Um, yeah. Uh, as good. So then travel. with them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, the you know, other aspects of the Khmer culture here. Uh, one thing that I really like is a lot of people still love the Khmer culture, the, the Khmer people still love the Khmer culture um, and really try to uh, kind of represent that uh, everywhere they go. Um, and especially for me as a young Khmer American, I try to do that within just myself um, to remember who I am, where my family comes from. And it's exactly the same reason of why I wear, you know, this scarf, the, the karma every day. Um, it's just for that reason. Thank you. Okay, I man, I like man. This I used I come on tell my wife, man, my coworker, stay fresh. Like he always works. <laughs> like, like, like I'm like man, I like thank you for saying that because that was one of the questions I had, man. I was like, I thought it was just every day you come in with a fashion statement, no matter what. You wham throw that thing. On, <laughs> like you, like you, I'm like. Like and his name, and I like his name is Prince, but it's spelled differently, you know. And I remember telling him, "Smooth Prince, smooth and, man." But just, he got purple ones too, and I'm like, "Man, hey, I'm never knocking it, man." I'm like, <laughs> "What do you call it again? Can you say it again for us?" Oh, it's called Kroma. Uh, Kroma. Yeah, yeah, just like that, and uh, it's. It's a class scarf. Uh, we have different types of it, so it doesn't just come in this uh, this form. Um, we have much larger forms, and people use it for for you know many many things. You can use it to to shower with. You can use it as a towel. You can use it as a blanket, as a grocery bag, um, mm. as a fashion statement. Uh, yeah. It's used in a lot of our dances too. Um, it's used for everything. Good my. Man, okay, but it also, I guess, it's a way for you to distinguish other people from Cambodia, though, right? Like, I for guess sure. from your culture, if they, yeah, yeah for they sure. Um, and you know, I'm I'm happy uh, that you actually brought that up because, uh, you know, ever since I transitioned into you know being a civilian, I try to wear this every single day, every time I step out the house. Mm -hmm. 
And what that has done is actually, for me, being able to identify other Khmer Americans on the street or other Khmer people on the street. Mm -hmm. I went to Portland one day, just random day. I was walking in the park. Um, mm -hmm. And then I saw, you know, another older lady who had her kurma. And I just mm -hmm. looked at her. She looked at me and we both we both knew. <laughs> and it was just, it was dope. It was, that that, it was that just feeling, like, that connection. Yeah. That's great. I'm glad you like really explain like, you know, about your culture and everything. Cause a lot of people would think that uh kind of like I guess if if we were to go, well, this would be a bad example, me and Brandon, but if a white person was to go to like Africa or you know, somewhere in Europe or something, they would just think that all right, they're just Americans. And like kind of like the same way when Asians are in America, we just kind of feel like all right, everybody's just Asian. Well, technically it is Asian, but I mean, you know, they mix it up and be like, well, they're, they're Chinese or whatever, or, you know, they're uh, Vietnamese or they just assume what it is. But right. there's so many different like cultures and, and stuff within Asia. And a lot of people in the United States, I, they, I think they just don't realize that. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. And it's Southeast Asia, right? Correct. Right. Yeah, correct. And one thing I saw unique when I was doing some research about it that and I'm like, I wonder, I wondered why, but when I started, and because I know other Khmer people that I'm in Colin Cambodia, and they never correct me before, but things in Texas are a little different. I understand. I've been guilty of it as myself. But I read, well, I watched somewhere that was like a lot of people thought Khmer people or Cambodian people. Is, is it one and the same, or is it is it a preference? So the preference is actually Khmer. Okay. A lot of people, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a deeper exploration uh, of the difference between Khmer and Cambodian. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. But being Khmer, they was like they thought Khmer people were from Africa. I'm like, why would people think that? Then I started looking at the on uh, the history and why some people may say that. And I'm like, because we share some similar stereotypes. That's all. <laughs> like I'm like ah, I'm like. And I, and I'm, I, I once again, I always try to debunk stereotypes as much as possible, sure. or not I mean, debunk. I'm like, why? You know, this is right. it sticks to certain people. Like one of the first things, these are coming from Kamai people saying, "We love Hennessy. We love Hennessy." I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and this is like, this was started at University of Houston. And I'm like, huh? Like, yeah, that's our shit. Like, I'm like. Okay, <laughs> then I hear somebody, and I've been hearing it throughout the years, and I I, I watch another uh, this research. I'm like, yeah, they have some of these type of things that we see similar, and I'm like, yeah. I, I I see, I can understand the same thing with some of the turmoil, and like you mentioned the genocide. I did some research about that, and I'm like, that was recent as hell. Okay, this is forty five years ago. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, once again, I've, I've met your father, and. I know it's a name that I'm supposed to I would call him. Pooh. Pooh. I met, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I met your, do I call it your poo or poo? Because it's a poo in different household, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, yeah. and I'm like, man, I would love to talk to him too. Like, because I guarantee he has a different story that you have. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's, but I think it's beautiful because it makes him who he is and who we are and will continue to be. But it, it's just, Man, it is once again. I'm just always at all when I'm able to share and hear and learn someone else's culture. But that that's that's something to me, and hopefully our listeners feel the same way. 
But I know something that's big with you that I pay attention to is your skills and your art in photography. Thank you. Thank you. Man, what, what brought you into picking up a camera and catching the beauty in things? So I was always, even from a young age, I was always uh, intrigued by pictures um, and how those pictures were created. Um, and so even when I was in Cambodia, um, I asked my mom, you know, to get me a camera so I can, you know, take pictures while I'm there. Um, but she, she got me this like little handheld camcorder thing that could take videos and pictures, but like it, it, it was like a really crappy quality. Um, but I was still, you know, grateful for it. And I took pictures off of that. It wasn't the greatest pictures, but it was pictures. Um, so that's kind of where photography started for me. Um, but the interest obviously was at a very young age. Um, so after that, I got even more interested. Um, and while in Cambodia, I loved the scenery there. I love the landscapes. As you can see, the picture behind me right now is, uh, is a, is a field in Cambodia. So um, I always, always loved the, uh, the scenery out there, um, scenery in other places, countries like um, Japan. Um, Japan has beautiful scenery there. Um, Bali and Indonesia, loves, you know, Hawaii. I've always loved sceneries and I've always loved how people react to different things. And I always wanted to capture that. So and I believe it was like 2000. I want to say 2013 that I purchased my first camera um, and it was a, it was a DSLR from Nikon. Um, and I just started shooting with that and I just started pressing buttons and just taking pictures, stabbing pictures. I was still on auto, so I didn't know how to use it or anything, but like, I liked it. It, was, it, it felt good. Like it felt like it was meant to be in my hand and I just kept taking pictures. Um, then I took that camera with me on a trip to India um, in 2014 and took some, you know, really nice pictures there. Um, and that's where I kind of caught on to photography uh, uh, and explored cameras more. Um, so after that, um, I bought uh, another Canon the camera, the camera I currently have now, Canon 70D, um, and just really experienced more. Uh, through that and um, started recording and, and doing videos and, and pictures for the monastery and other monks and our ceremonies to really capture um, what what is like behind you know behind the eyes of a monk. So, yeah. Okay. Well, you know you have to drop that hashtag and handle for us to follow you and see. I, you know I already do, but I, we want to hear it because I, I used to be big in photography at my younger age and from I always had a camera tell him the ones especially he just <laughs> hear him in the back <laughs> like all right brandon in the room he may he may be a little bit too young to remember that but i don't know like man, oh, no no that. i definitely remember the disposable ones those are actually really awesome because like you don't have to do anything you just you just wind it, it and click yeah go yeah. and it's good quality, and I used to work at a photo lab at Eckert's and CBS. That I worked with there for years, and 
my passion behind photography and I'm trying to get back into it. I think I've told you a little bit about it. I'm looking for a camera. I want to find that camera that's just right for me, not only for, you know, what we do here at Everything Culture, because I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to capture cultures in their light and be respectful of it. And so people can share it if they choose to share it. But when I say with G-Jack and the rest of my peers growing up, I took pictures because memories are forever. I, it's hard for me sometimes to delete pictures out my phone, and yeah. like I've I've lost like I lost a lot of people in life, and I'm like, man, you always gonna have that picture. I even keep voicemails now. When people leave me a voicemail, I keep it because you don't know when you can, when you can go back and listen to their voice, or you can go and watch a video, or you see a picture. I just think that's great, and. Like I got so many pictures on Facebook, other people I see other people sharing them, and I'm like, I took that photo. They don't even know it. It's been shared so many times, but I took that photo. It meant something. And even G Jack, my other friends, are like, damn, can you stop taking pictures all the time? I'm like, y'all gonna thank me one day for this. I said, I'm like, like, you're so like my mama. Y'all gonna thank my mama. I was taking pictures too. So man, because for real, we, and you know, not oh, not trying to get too emotional here, but like, man. My aunt sent me a um, picture of my mom yesterday. My mom passed when I was like 14 years old. And it was like from her, man, it was like, it was when she was in the fourth grade, but she sent it to her sisters. And she was like, hey, I'm sending this to y'all. So when I'm gone, you'll remember me. And I'm like, damn. And that's been my logic behind pictures this whole time as well. So I'm like, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Like photography, like same thing with artists people used to paint though the, these are new ways we can do so even though we live in a society and a culture now where selfies are big um just consistent pictures are being taken and videos being taken even videos are saving people's lives right now but bringing an art to it is such a great thing man so keep that rolling really is thank you thank you uh, i think like Photography is, is is really huge, and it just for everything you just mentioned, like it, it's there for those reasons. You you got to be able to utilize it the the way it's supposed to be, and mm. and you'll never regret it. So, mm. yes, man. So I'm make sure, and you know we're gonna bring you back on because you have a partner that come from the other side of photography as well. And I'm like, I'm sure. loving this team right here. <laughs> we, do go, we could just go drip y'all with that right there. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I want to ask a question though. So Mr. D713 told me about, uh, I guess when he went to your birthday party. Mm-hmm. And he said, <laughs> and this is a real oh, no. <laughs> it's a real cultural moment. He said that he was able to teach y'all how to play spades. How was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh me personally I, I don't play a lot of games and mm-hmm. so I wasn't actually even playing space with y'all. But it was uh um I was there, I was still there in the circle and everything, but uh-huh. you know, he was teaching my dad and my cousin and, and her partner as well. <laughs> and it was just like we 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 play cards but we have, you know, our own cultural game of cards. So mm-hmm. we used to playing that. So when he, you know, Brand came over, he came, he said, you know, let's play spades. There was no <laughs> spades. Like, so, you know, he taught us all, and hey. it was just a, it was a real good moment. Pool caught on quick. I'm telling you. And, yeah. <laughs> and the way we had it set up, um, I think I was just, we were finishing an episode right before I came over to your spot. And, and you know, they, you, yeah, y'all said bring games. So I'm going to bring games, okay? 
Yeah. And I had Domino's, I had like cars, and I think I had something else, but um, um black car revoke. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's all the way me, baby. It's all the way. Me. <laughs> but um, so it's playing spades. Like your cousin and her partner were both like they knew how to play. They really didn't know how to play. Well, they they do. <laughs> they knew how to play. They, they, really they were. Did. No, they really didn't. They are the level. My, my wife and I like spades in the African American. Oh, we have to do a whole new episode about this too. Like the hardest <laughs> spades, because spades in the black community and it's it it differs because spectrum of being black. Okay, <laughs> man, it's a serious game at times. Like it's like, yeah. it can get real ugly. Like people have been like, shot over spades. Game. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been, like <laughs> it's I hadn't personally seen it, but I've, I've, I've almost seen more my fair share of fights in a spades game. Oh, but hadn't seen anybody get shot yet. <laughs> man, I've been threatened to be cut before over spades. Like and I'm like, and I was young. I'm like, I'm a kid. I'm like 19 years old. You're gonna cut me over spades? And and like my, I learned when I was in college, and then you know my wife family's big on it. My family's big, and they t- it's a lot of noise talking, and that's why your um, your cousin partner was talking noise, and I'm like, don't do that yet, don't because you don't know what you're doing. I'm like, <laughs> but it's a game you also enjoy, and I tell people, oh, shout out to Leah, take up space pod. I'm gonna teach you how to play space. Like I'm, that's and that's the other thing. People always complain, like, and it's come from usually black people that other black people never teach them how to play space. And that's why I said when I'm like, that's not true. I'll just taught a whole family how to play spades this weekend. You know, <laughs> we share that culture, but like you don't want to pay attention because when it comes down to spades and games like this, it's it's important to have a partner. Your partner is number one. That's what I always say. If you can't trust your partner, you it's a problem. So I'm like, and I usually I'm, I kind of tease my wife and I tease people like. But maybe you should step your communication skills up. Maybe that's a problem y'all need to work on. I think that's more. It's not the cards; it's the communication. Because like me and Pooh, me and Pooh, it was like you got to be cool. He was like, I think so. And it was like, boom, you damn right, Pooh. <laughs> 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 I enjoy it. I enjoy it. But that, 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 y'all, y'all connected really good. The communication is there. Man, I'm for, and that's one thing we love. And there's so many small things people may dismiss about other things and cultures. But when we're able to come together and enjoy one another, we can talk about it in a peaceful dialogue or conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a win-win. You know, sure. it, it's just I wish we everybody wouldn't argue so much. You know, it's, it's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. But if we can just come and for what I say, chop it up or just speak, talk, relax. I think we can yeah. make a lot of growth here in this world. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you got to come in with an open mind, though, and be willing to accept as well as, you know, as much as you give out, you got to be willing to receive just as much as you're willing to put out. So, Exactly, exactly. But, man, I'm like, I, I can go on and on, but I would like to say shout-out to I got Prince, man, I guess, for this week's episode. <laughs> like, this has been a great one. Like, and we, I could talk more and more about your experience. I, I, I do have one question. When you say you're deroping, like when you say you're just stepping down, is that mean? And I think it's a is it a graceful thing? I mean, you can come back later. You know, you want to experience life. Like, can you elaborate on that a little bit? For sure. So, um, in Theravada Buddhism, once you disrobe, you definitely can come back at any point in time. 
Wow. Uh, some people just row for, you know, a brief moment and then come back to uh, kind of ordain as a, I guess you'd say like a higher ranking. So there's kind of a different system. So there's uh, a novice monk, which is pretty much a monk on training wheels. Um, and mm -hmm. then a fully ordained monk, a Pico, uh, who is a monk that has uh, taken the oath to uh, be a fully ordained monk and uh, pretty much take more responsibilities. And the punishments are, uh, I wouldn't say punishments, but the consequences are much at a higher state, pretty much. Mm. Um, and so some people disrobe as a novice to go into becoming a Biko. So. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Is it is it many times you need to derobe, or like you get like two to three times? And you like you're um, pushing. You can definitely uh, disrobe as many times as you like. Uh, there has been historical um, stories about uh, monks that have disrobed uh, seven or eight times um, to come back and become fully enlightened. Um, it really is all your choice. Uh, it's one of the things I like about Buddhism is that it's it's really open. Um, nothing is forced upon you, and it's just it's just your choice to go upon that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, shout out to our guest Prince and Prince. Can you give us your hashtags and your handles and all that good stuff where we can find you, man? For sure. Um, so my main handle is just uh, Prince Single One, uh, both Facebook and Instagram. Um, and you can find my photography on Instagram uh, at just underscore Prince. Um, and that's where I post all my photography stuff. So. Okay, okay. Man, if you don't mind, you mind if we share some of your stuff on Everything Culture? For and sure. of, of course, giving credit to you, man. But we always sure. trying to put our people on, man. Because we appreciate what you're doing out here in our communities. Um, and when I say in our communities, I mean our culture of Everything Culture community. I just want to ask one question though before you go. Yep. All right. I know it's frowned frowned upon, but how much is it frowned upon if someone outside the culture wears one of them scarves? Because I might have to give me one. It's definitely, <laughs> you know what? It's definitely not frowned upon as long as you <clears throat> excuse me wear it the right way. So yeah, unless you're not like misusing it for anything, which is kind of hard because again, this is used for everything. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely not trying to find, but definitely, uh, you know, reach out to your friends or, you know, I might be able to hook you guys up with one of these. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. We, we love it. You know, we, 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 we always return the favors, man. For sure. For sure. Okay. And, and you, do you, is any color? I see you with the purple ones, you know. Oh, so there's a lot of, lot of different colors out there. Um, there's just a, it's, it's just a mixture and uh, it, it takes a long time to make. Uh, so it's, there's not really any specific um, color coordination. It's just whatever that they make, they put together. Okay. So, Do the colors mean anything or it's just or no, a certain no, type of Okay. No, not mean anything unless you want to put meaning to it. So. Okay. Okay. G Jack, what you got for us? Hey man, just follow me on Instagram. G underscore Jack. Um, uh, that's about it. I, I'm on Twitter. I'm not sure my name on Twitter. Mr. D713 may know. I don't know. I just created the account and Man. I start following people. <laughs> he looks look like a he looks like a bot. He need to fix his Twitter account. You you <laughs> you think he's a bot? He got all those numbers behind his name. Like, I, I tried to change it, man. I can't. I don't know how to do it. 
You got to show. You got to. We gonna make some. Game, t- we gonna make some time man. out. I'm gonna walk you through everything, man. And like, we gonna find peace. Okay. Twitter. Twitter <laughs> I keep telling them Twitter's a dangerous place to be. Sometimes, you know. That's why I just talk. I just look. I don't post much. Sometimes that's the best <laughs> thing to do. It's some days I talk. Some days I just get on, and I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, because you say the wrong thing, man. You got full strangers coming at your neck. I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> but as always, y'all can follow us at Everything Culture. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Tumblr. You can go to our website at www.everythingculture.com. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us everywhere. You can listen to a podcast from Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, Google, everything. yeah, everything. I'll say that again. <laughs> and make sure to follow us on Twitter at, w- at every thg culture. Um, our main focus: we want to engage with our audience and engage with our community. We want to learn more from one another so we can grow with each other. So, as always, once again, thank you, Prince. Thank you, G Jack. We look forward to seeing y'all next week again for a new episode. But as a late great. Dr. Martin Luther King said that he believes that men fear one another. Men hate each other because they fear one another. They fear one another because they don't know one another. and They don't know one another because of segregation. And because of segregation, we have miscommunication. Here in Everything Culture, we try to get to know one another so we can start to love one another and we can bring this world and make it a better place. Thank you all. Peace.